Tennessee, the Boy. volunteer state. Make sure you go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You need to sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. And, of course, we have a podcast, which many of you are listening to right now, mm-hmm. and you found it at iTunes or SoundCloud, Music Biz, ampersand, 101. No, Music Biz 101, <laughs> ampersand, more. Music Biz 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. Who are you? I am Stephen Marconi. Dr. Esteban. Yes. And so as you listen, you'll hear a student. You're going to hear a great, great person. But this was a summer class because of William Patterson, the university. So we want to thank Ashley Weltner, who's been our engineer for all of our radio shows over the past year. And she hooked us up with this tremendous technique of recording that we're doing right now. And we should give thanks. So we put our uh, hands together, legs together, eyes closed, heads down. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno, Inc., and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kith. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB CPA.com when you are ready. And we should all give thanks to Christine Vey. Oi, a wealth manager and the president of <laughs> Oi Vey Management. <laughs> Oi Vey Wealth Management. <laughs> Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson the University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have any questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at, repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. You can also email her, Christine at Oi. They wealth. Com. And take the last oi off for savings. That's right. Many shout-outs to many different people, but don't forget managing your band's sixth edition. By the time you hear this, it has been out for a year, but like fine wine, it's aging beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's a book. It's in color. It's got glossy pages. And only a few mistakes. Very few mistakes. <laughs> so you're going to love it. And always contact, contact us. Again, go to musicbiz101wp.com, and that's where you can find everything out. Again, big thanks to the Music Biz Association for having us here. Yes. And now on to La Interview. Mm. Ah! Ah! Here we go, Music Biz 101 more Brave New Radio. Yes, I'm your professor, Dave, professor David Kirk Philpin. Who is this? I'm his co-host. Named Dr. Esteban. Marconi. Yes. And that's who he is. And, and I am his co-host. That's right. And I'm your co-host. Not sub-host. No. Cub-host. <laughs> Boy, in, so in where cub-host. are we? We're in Nashville, Tennessee. <gasps> we are? Yes, in the volunteer God, state. Having a great day. That great. Yes. The music city, is it music isn't it? Ciudad de Musica. Ciudad de Musica. Not what we do. We wouldn't even know it. That's right. We're trilingual. We'll try any language and not be afraid to butcher it. How about Klingon? 
Right? Who is that? <laughs> I did that on purpose just because he is a nerd, but he's doing an awesome job. Yes, Matthew. This fourth interview yes. this week. This yes. last three so days. Ma Matthew Kerr getting his MBA in the music and entertainment management field. Yes. Good job, Matt. Matt's doing a great job. So he's going to be very prepared to interview our guest. Matt, introduce our guest from yes. Warner Music Group Nashville. Very exciting to have you. Thanks. Yes, so we are with Mariette. Bianchi. Marika. Dang it. <laughs> you, okay. I, I apologize. You told me that too. Marika, record. right? Yes, Marika. Marika. Every yeah. listener at the count of three say Marika. One, two, three. Marika. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully the listeners did that yeah. with us. Yes. Actually, Good they job, did. Yeah, they did. Nobody's listening. It's <laughs> <laughs> very in, 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 interactive. Go on, man. Current, current vice president of marketing and strategic partnerships for Warner Music Nashville. Uh, formerly also had uh, wor experience working with Kraft Food, I believe. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I worked at Hunter Public Relations in New York for about 10 years mm. and worked uh, primarily on the Gallo wine business, but also touched many other projects all in the CPG field. So Kraft, Diageo, Tabasco, mm. uh, Monopoly, Hasbro. Um, mm. you, if you can eat it or buy it at a store, <laughs> I worked on it. CPG right. Consumer Products Group? Mm -hmm. It's um, Consumer Packaged Goods. Consumer Packaged mm. Goods. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. And yeah. you're a similar person at um, Warner New York City would be whom? Oh, um, uh, Camille Hackney and uh, Jonathan Feldman in the partnerships group there I work with very closely. And also um, there's Lori Feldman in the Warner Brothers group. And uh, there's a bunch of others, Brad Rains. We and, had Liz uh, Lewis yes. on, oh, yeah. who works Liz. for Lori. You do know her? Don't I don't, but Liz she might be kind of new. Yeah, she's, uh, she works under Lori. Okay. And she's yeah. in Creative Sync in advertising oh, and gaming. Okay. So yes. sort of under in That's your field, but yeah. underneath. Yeah, yeah Lori right. does Sync and partnerships. And so since I don't do Sync, that would make sense why right. I don't know Liz, mm -hmm. but the women who do work with Liz, I also, I'm sorry, with Lori on the partnership side, I also mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Great. And yeah, and then there's Joy over and um, Mike Hamilton. Is, it's a big group. Right. And there's Joy yeah. in this room right now. There is Joy. Hey. <laughs> I feel you know, it. We have a very close relationship with Warner and especially Atlantic. That's why I brought that up because oh, we know many, many, many it's a great of the company. people there. Yeah. Yeah, and really they've been very to good to us and giving us. Um, easy access and um, early shots at internships. And uh -huh. we've known a lot of the, in fact, we have a visiting expert uh, for the program every year. And this year is John Bulos, is vice president, promotion Atlantic. Oh. We've had Wal um, Paul Executive Sinclair. vice president. Excuse me. What's Paul higher, senior vice president or executive? Executive. Exactly. That's like when they're running out of titles. He correct, yeah, he corrected <laughs> me. I called him, we had him on the radio show. I called him yeah. senior vice president after it was over. He says, nah, executive vice president. Yeah. I don't, care, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't care, but I don't care about I don't care about that. It was good. It's a Be good correct, guy. right? Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah, Paul Sinclair from Digital and mm -hmm. all these people, mostly on the Atlantic side, I would say, right? Yeah. You would think. But one of my former bosses, I used to work at Polygram, was John Esposito, oh, who runs my Warner boss Music now. Uh -huh. Nashville yeah. here. Yes, yeah. as well. He's had Nashville. a very uh, illustrious career. Yes, and, he uh, has. He um, came to Nashville, I think, about eight, eight or nine years ago, maybe, mm -hmm. and he is just. Killing it. I mean, he's king of the castle, and and he's mm. brought in Kenny Chesney very recently to mm -hmm. our our label, and that was a super fun announcement. And of course, another big tentpole for our company. So we have Blake Shelton and Kenny Chesney is mm -hmm. kind of the main working acts, and of course, a few um, in terms of the global superstars. That is, and then we of course have a few um, 
what do you say, legacy acts. So like Randy mm. Travis and sure. Kenny Rogers. Sure. And then yeah. tons of the new guards. So Brett yeah. Eldridge, Cole Swindell, Hunter Hayes, mm. Ray Lynn, Dan and Shay, Chris Jansen. And it's been really funny coming from New York to Nashville because I really didn't have a traditional country. I don't have a traditional music background, first of all, right. but I certainly don't have a country background whatsoever. And right. um, I know as much as the next person. And, and in fact, when I was um, interviewing with Espo, I, I said, I might not know what A&R stands for, but I can make all of your artists special and different and unique through the power of marketing. And because mm -hmm. that's what I used to do on Gallo. I worked on Barefoot wine and the Naked Grape wine and mm -hmm. Dark Horse wine, all wines that were under $10. Right. And at sometimes if you had a blind tasting, you might not be able to tell the difference. Oh, but, but through the art of marketing, you think barefoot is fun and about the beach and Naked Grape is about the environment and yeah. Dark Horse is about art and mystery. And, and that's just through packaging and marketing and, mm -hmm. and sales. And, and so I apply similar approaches to marketing our artists to, because at the end of the day, they're all singing music and great people. But um, what makes you gravitate to one over the other? And that's my job. How do human beings differ from a physical product that doesn't <laughs> talk back yeah, and have that's emotion really it. and they all that. Mm. <laughs> they, they talk back. Um, it's um, it's been a really eye-opening experience for me because when I was working on the CPG products, the people who are on the front lines, at the end of the day, they just go home. Mm -hmm. They're getting paid mm -hmm. by a larger company, and failure or success. Obviously, we all want success, but it's not necessarily your name on the line. It's it's um, you know in the case of Barefoot. It's E&J Gallo Winery, so that's the Gallo family's name, perhaps, but the actual people I'm working with are not Gallo people. And uh, as for the artists, it's sleeping or awake, it's their name. It's who they are, it's it's all they have, it's, mm. it's all they can do. And so um, if it doesn't go well, they don't necessarily have another option. Like This is what they were born to do. And so I have to take that into consideration a lot with um, how much they're getting paid, how much time it's gonna take them away from their family, how much exposure is it gonna give them and make sure that they are really feeling like I'm listening to their needs mm -hmm. and getting mm -hmm. them, keeping them on a forward trajectory because it's just so competitive out there and there's mm -hmm. so many people who want that in a big way. But they've already gotten a label deal so that's one step in the right direction usually. Right. So. Mm -hmm. One quick thing, because Matt, I know has a ton of good questions, so I don't want to interrupt you even though <laughs> doing it. But I want to talk about just the the smallness of the music industry mm -hmm. and uh, overall, and then also, and somebody mentioned it in a panel here yesterday uh -huh. as well. But even here, um, one of the artists you mentioned that one of your legacy artists, uh, uh -huh. Brett Eldridge, uh -huh. um, we were at Big Loud uh -huh. the other day, mm -hmm. and the one of the who was big and who was loud. <laughs> He's big. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> but there we go. And um, so Big Loud uh, just signed. They, they that run Yodeling Kid, right? The Yodeling yeah, Kid. Wait, wait, wait. Mason, uh, Mason Ramsey. 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 Mm -hmm. And they have Florida Georgia Line, for yes. example. Uh -huh. So they're uh, management, they're publishing, they're also an indie label. Uh -huh. And um, the, one of the guys who runs it, the number two guy, is this guy, Seth England. Mm -hmm. Seth went to school. He actually didn't go to school with, but lived here in Nashville with Brett Eldridge. Oh, he did? Yeah. <laughs> and he said they did. They never worked together or anything, but uh -huh. they just lived together when they when they just found each other when they moved to Nashville. Uh -huh. And uh, he said he was playing pool with Brett at his house uh -huh. when they were like 19 or something. <laughs> and Brett said, can I sing for you? Uh -huh. And he goes, oh my God, this is not going to be good. Uh -huh. So then he said Brett started singing and he said, oh my, he like sh was shaking. It was yeah. so good. Yeah. So and he said, and it's just interesting how Brett got signed and Seth is extremely successful doing what he's doing mm -hmm. as well. And um, and they're all in Nashville, and they're all part of this business. Yeah, and in fact, there's a there's a plaque on Warner's building that says, um, I don't remember what year, but 
Fred Eldridge marked his territory here in, in <laughs> and it's where he pissed when he yeah, was drunk right. yeah, from the great. bars. And that ran in People <laughs> magazine. It's a funny world we live in, but um, we're uh, very happy to have him and he has a voice of the ages, so we couldn't be happier. And I do hear that a lot. People who, uh, I mean, Cole Swindell, another one of our artists, used to sell merchandise for Luke Bryan and now mm. he has the same manager as Luke Bryan and tours mm. with him. And um, there's a lot of, I knew him when and um, back scratching right. and just keeping your friends close and and rising up in the ranks together mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. it's been really nice it's been really nice to watch you know I came here as a, a little I'm not trying to say my age is I, I know I'm young but a little later in my career than uh, some people who are coming you know like Austin here's 22 fresh out of college like mm -hmm. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed whereas I came here in my mid-30s I'm jaded and grizzled <laughs> and um, <laughs> And so it's been funny because a lot of the things that I may have experienced as a 22-year-old had I come here right out of college, I'm now experiencing as a 35-year-old. Yeah. And right. I, so I'm still in the front row with my all-access pass, and I, I can't believe that these things are happening, and I'm mm -hmm. just geeking out. And, um, and so I think had I been here earlier on, I would probably have more anecdotes, personal anecdotes mm -hmm. of people I knew when. But mm -hmm. now I'm, um, I'm just joining a little later in life. Right. So what made you move to Nashville? Um, I had an eye twitch that wouldn't go away. Um, that was really one part of it. Um, Ten years in New York is a lot, and yeah. uh, it was a wonderful experience, and I loved it, and I love going back, and some of my best friends are still there. But um, it just needed a change. I made it. Um, I made it a personal choice, and, mm -hmm. and it's been a really nice change. It's a really great place to live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you from New York? No, I was born in Los Angeles and moved a lot growing up. Went to high school in St. Louis, and mm -hmm. then I went to Ohio State, and then I moved to New York in 2005. Mm. You know, actually, I had kind of had a question about that. Mm -hmm. I was when I was like coming up with questions or whatever. I found a New York Times article where someone who had your name. Mm -hmm. No, it's me. That was oh, that was yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Okay, because no one else has my name. Okay, because well, <laughs> there's a New York Times article about um, dorming for adults. I guess uh -huh. is the best word for it. And uh -huh. she was interviewed for it, talking about how she was living with roommates and uh -huh. just like to get in by Harlem. in New York, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. um, yes. Well, basically, I had. I mean, one of the questions I had in relation to that, it mentioned you were an accountant at the time. Was that true? That's not true. That's okay. So they, 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 they butchered that? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> okay. Because I was going to say, why did you switch? But like, you uh, didn't. So I never didn't. mind that. No, I can't. In fact, the term Marika math has been used in terms of me um, botching my budgets. So no, I should <laughs> never be an accountant. I can barely do addition. That's funny. <laughs> Right. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Okay, then. So, But I was in that article, and I did uh, very naively give my salary in that article. That's what, And the internet is forever, so it wasn't an impressive salary by any means. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll say it. It's in, it's in print. It's $25,000. And right. granted, it was 2005, but, um, yeah, it was, it was tough. Yeah, back then. Sure. You know, I think my rent was nine hundred dollars, and I made, or my rent was eight hundred dollars, and I made two paychecks a month of about, of about eight hundred dollars. So I was, yeah. we had a, there was a loss. subway, there was a subway strike at one point. I was up in Harlem, and I was, I was working in Chelsea, and that's about a hundred blocks. Yeah, and I, I remember know. having to message my boss. And I can't come to work today. And they're like, well, what? Just take a taxi. I'm like, I can't afford it. Oh. I'm like, are you going to pay pay to drive me down there? But I can't walk. I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I mean, it was a, yeah. that's a, that's a hike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so 
So I do have a question. It's uh, since you work with a lot of like strategic partnerships, mm -hmm. I can assume that you uh, work in tandem and getting sponsorships sometimes mm -hmm. for artists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, have, I wanted to ask, have you ever had a experience where you were working on getting a sponsorship and then for whatever reason, the artist was like very hesitant to like sign on to it and you were trying to push them towards uh, doing a deal with like a brand or mm -hmm. what have you. And then they were just like, nah, this isn't, this is just not for me or whatever. Happens and every day. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, it happens a lot, and and there's always a reason, and and I tend to, I try to when I bring it to management because I don't bring it directly to the artist, bring it to the manager, and say, here's why I think you should do it, hmm. and be very clear about that. Hmm. Sometimes it's, look, it's not that sexy, but it's a great payday, or this gets you in front of this person, which is what you've been telling me you want to do. Or this happens to take you to LA the day before we were already going to pay to fly you to LA. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always little reasons that are are so behind the scenes that it's sometimes hard to explain if there is a pass why why we're passing. Like, oh, they have you know their daughter's birthday and they don't want to miss it, and that feels to a to a buyer probably like, oh, come on, why would you? A kid has a birthday every year. Why would mm -hmm. you turn down? But you can't. The, kind of going back to your question about them being people versus products. You know, you have to remember that these are people, and mm -hmm. they have lives and mm -hmm. and personal opinions, and um, and those opinions change. So I don't ever take a no to mean never. Um, yeah. There's a artist I'm working on right now that has management has said no, and I'm I think they're wrong. <laughs> so I am. Uh, I I think no means next, and um, I I took that from a panel I heard at a different women's conference not too long ago. But I liked that. Next and meaning next artist or next or opportunity or ne yeah, and, and next anything. But just mm -hmm. not be to not be uh, totally dismayed by a no to think that you just completely hit that brick wall. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's something else within that brand's offering portfolio, or maybe that's a different ask within their their need set and um and or i just maybe hopefully forgot that they said no and bring it back <laughs> six months later right. you know it's um because so much changes in their world a uh, fame is so fickle and and money comes and goes and tours come and go and and so sometimes it might have been that they were on tour and they're like i can't fathom doing another thing like i have just my days are full and then the tour ends and they're drumming their fingers and like hey is that still on the table so Try to always keep, even with a pass, yeah. keep the brand engaged and feeling like the door is still a little bit cracked, mm. unless it's just a hard no. Like I have some artists who don't drink, so if it's a Budweiser offer, it just ain't gonna happen because mm -hmm. um, they don't want to be having to take pictures <coughs> posing with a Bud Light mm -hmm. or with the background of a logo behind them or something. But even then, some artists who do drink, who don't drink, are okay with being around brand brands like that but they just would put in their contract I can't be expected to hold the alcohol put the liquid to lips or um, pose with the product in any way mm -hmm. you work through all that and S get the deal done sometimes with a no going along with the whole thing yeah. do you think before you pitch it and, and present this to the manager mm -hmm. do you think okay if they say no like do you have a no in advance okay mm -hmm. I might get a no so mm -hmm. I'm gonna try and answer all of the objectives because basically you're, you're a, a salesperson mm -hmm. to a degree mm -hmm. so you try and answer all the objectives in your uh, objections within your pitch to the manager so that yeah. he or she 
like one step ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep thinking that so yeah. that either the no, you could get, get to the bottom line of why. I know you no. don't drink soda, but here's why I think you should do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny, I am a salesperson and I'm a salesperson in two directions, mm-hmm. which is very stressful <laughs> because yeah. not only do I have to pitch my artist to a brand, but then I have to take that idea and pitch it to the manager and mm-hmm. then which, the artist. Where does it go? Does, which comes first, that chicken uh, or egg? If I'm lucky, I have a brand coming to me with an idea, and then I just take that idea to the artist. But most of the time, I'm doing both directions. I'll think of the idea, or Austin and I will, I should acknowledge Austin is in the room. Austin, Austin. What's Morgan? your last name, Austin? Hey, Austin Hawkins. Austin Hawkins. Austin Hawkins. Austin Hawkins is it. It's the Austin right. Hawkins show. Austin Hawkins. Austin Hawkins. Belmont's, Belmont's latest grad and my hey. new assistant, and yeah. I'm very happy mm. to have him. Congrats, man. <laughs> and... Um, and so anyway, we work together on what could this be and what will appeal to them. We never go to the brand and just say, hey, I have this artist. I think it's a good fit. We say, here's something. Uh, we have an artist right now who wore a certain fashion brand on, on TV. So mm-hmm. we took that clip of them on Jimmy Fallon and said, hey, brand, here's your, your jacket on national television. Perhaps we could do this again and there would be some money involved or there would be a more controlled environment uh, or something where you can post about on socials and have a heads up. So mm-hmm. that having been said, you don't really, un- I, I can assume that you don't really undertake any ambitious projects, for lack of a better word, because it sounds like everything is calculated then. It's like nothing is like just a spontaneous, hey, this would be good. It's always, it's always something that's already like sort of could be in the works and you just like put the pieces together then. Um, I do wish that I could be more strategic sometimes because what happens is the 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 music landscape is so volatile and the music timing changes so frequently an artist that confidently thought their record was coming out in june all of a sudden it's not coming out till november and if a plan that we had was hinged on an album release event all of a sudden i'm pushed out six months and i'm screwed potentially so Mm -hmm. um i think it's a little bit of both it's it's if i could be planning like back in the old days in my C- the CPG world, you plan we'd be talking 2020 already, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and the music industry just doesn't function like that, unfortunately. Right. Um, so we are, I, I'd say, a combination. Because then on the flip side, we had a meeting with um, a brand two weeks ago, and I think they're coming in as a paid sponsor for a concert that we're going to put on, on on the 31st of this month. Mm-hmm. So um, that is very scrappy and and having to be quick about it but sometimes the best things happen that way because we're not going to overthink it we're just going to throw everything into the wind and see what sticks so they evolved from like they can they can evolve from like you know calculated to all of a sudden that it became ambitious Mm -hmm. basically yeah and i i aspire to be ambitious and i think um you know my first brainstorm i ever had at warner was on blake shelton and said, I want to give away my million dollar idea here, but um, I, I want to debut his record on the moon. Mm-hmm. And I, Espo actually goes, oh, we got a crazy one in here. And uh, <laughs> then he was like, no, no, keep going. I want to hear it. And I, I was like, I mean, I can call NASA. Like, I'm not worried about calling NASA, but I mean, more of like, what's the purpose and what's this connection to space? Like, starting to think about all of that. And, and um, but I really envision like a vinyl in one of those little pods, like getting like shot into space. And it's like, the fir- I mean, they did it with a monkey, you know, can we get, right. <laughs> can we get a record out there? I don't know. But, um, I, so I do like to think of, to be ambitious and I, and, um, and I, and I like to dream big. I think that, um, that's one of the greatest things I've brought to the table with my agency background is come from the no idea is a bad idea mentality. And, 
always want to outdo the last time and and to just be kind of quirky like at my, at my old agency we did a we did a stunt with grape nuts where we did mm. the polar bear swim if you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so someone said that in a meeting and all of a sudden we're it. putting a bunch of guys in speedos that say grape nuts <laughs> in chicago in the middle of january so um it was hilarious and um worked out really well so those types of that's my pedigree and so i try to apply that to my artists wherever mm-hmm. i can mm-hmm. Going then to uh, to deals coming and going and, and all that, um, how are you judged by your superiors, by the people you report to? Do you get a dollar quota in a quarter or a year? Do you uh, just number of deals in the works and then, um, or is it just gut? Is it a combination of all that? How do they know if you're doing a good job? I mean, you know how you're doing, but, but if I'm going to keep you on for another year. Yeah. You know, um, you know in the beginning, I, I think that they've, in the beginning, they set a fiscal goal for me, uh, and I uh, looked at that number, and I said that I did not think that that was attainable um, based on just what we'd get percentage-wise off of a cash deal. And so much that we do now is not cash-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, as of now, the way I've been told that I'm doing a good job is artist satisfaction. It's just that they have been reporting back to ESPO, to our COO, Matt Signore, um, to my boss, Shane Charlton, and they just say, look, we love Marika, we love what she's bringing to the table, we feel really energized by this. And a happy artist is a happy label, and so anything that I can do to just make them feel atten- well attended, active, relevant, giving them mm. things to do, um, I think that that's really where the success lies. And then, of course, at the end of the day, we are in the business of uh, making money, and, and so if I can get a nice check written on top of that, that makes everyone happy, especially, I always copy the CFO on those emails, just I know at least, <laughs> at least mm-hmm. no Danny is grinning up in his office, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it were rooted just in cash, we would miss out on a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. So I really try to show the value. I also work well with our Nielsen rep because we'll, we'll look at an end score on an artist who's measurable, who's big enough to have an end score. Explain and what an end score is. Oh, sure. It's, um, it's a proprietary um, social measurement tool that Nielsen started that um, kind of quantifies the relevance and um, l- like the love, the emotion of and support of an, of a celebrity in the public's eyes. E-N-D, end score? No, or I'm letter sorry, just N. N like Wouldn't there need to be Q scores? There was there, which is kind of a competitor. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a different company runs Q. Yeah. So, and, oh, Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Nielsen. So probably, well, okay, yeah, and, I exactly. gotcha. And okay. so we have a deal with Nielsen, and, and so we're able to look, okay, on the grand scheme of, of celebrities who are measured from one to a hundred, where does this artist fall on likability, on on good looks, on social prowess, on uh, relevancy, on uh, I like their music. Like there's all these different uh, check check marks that they go after. And um, so I looked, for instance, I had a, an artist do a global um, cosmetics deal, which was the biggest deal that I've ever done in my life, and I'm very proud of it. And her picture was gonna be in, a, in Sephora and beauty stores all over the world. Mm-hmm. And we looked at her end score prior to that, and then post, and it in very key areas, it's risen a couple points. Mm-hmm. And so even though I, um, I can go and show that, that isn't necessarily something that people tuck themselves in with at night. M- maybe management right. does, but the, the label wants to say, okay, well, does that lead to people buying her music or going to her concerts? And I, I can't prove that, but I hope that that means yes. But technically, you think you'd be able to, they would be able to do a deeper dive. So the day 
this hit. Mm -hmm. Here's what we're averaging in streams across mm -hmm. the catalog, across whatever the new record is. Mm -hmm. um, here's what she's been getting uh, in ticket sales and, and offers and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Then six months later or whenever the campaign was over, where are we with streams uh, over that six month period was it higher than the previous six month period with similar activity, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So yeah. they, they can still kind of see, put some tangible number toward that and determine if I it was. So. Yeah. I think if there was if there was someone who really needed that proof, right. we would go through that exercise. But instead, it's I think the holistic, the artist is happy because he or she has a big feather in their cap right now. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing it does come in handy is um, because I work in country music, radio is still really important. And the uh, ability for a radio person whose job is to call on the PDs at all the local radio stations to say, you've got to play this song and here's why. Not only do I have all the research to back it up, but did you know that she's going to be in every Sephora, in every mall, every country fan mm -hmm. is shopping at in America for the next six months. And that might just have that talk point just might boost that person up saying, okay, well, this is gonna obviously be a hot song if all the girls who shop at the mall every weekend are seeing her you know, in their mm -hmm. place of play. Um, and so they love having all those anecdotes to go in, just say like, Texas Roadhouse is another big partner of ours. They have a great in-store program they run once a month, like an artist of the month program. And it means that the uh, singles getting played in every Texas Roadhouse several times a day. They have a big Facebook presence and um, those type of little exposure moments do matter in the larger storytelling about an artist and the, the health of the artist, that they're, they're active and getting hired to do things. With that cosmetics deal, mm -hmm. um, are you allowed to say who the artist yeah, was? Yeah, it was Raylan and Too Faced Cosmetics. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, was Too Faced doing media buys? Like, were they doing any TV or mm -hmm. internet or anything like that? It was strictly no. a print campaign? Uh, no, it's in-store only. And then there were some extensions, um, one of their big, uh, Besides Sephora, there's also Ulta, which is a competitor with Sephora, and they did like a big in-store, in-newspaper uh, circular, mm -hmm. um, so that went out in print. Uh, but otherwise, it's just the, the POS um, on the displays. So the artist was on the point of, mm -hmm. uh, point of sale. sale. Uh -huh. right? Yeah. And uh, then the um, social media around that. But for instance, she did a live, um, a, an Instagram live with the CEO of Too Faced, who himself is kind of an icon in the cosmetics world. And mm -hmm. we watched her Instagram numbers just tick, tick, tick. She got 4,000 new followers in like a day, which mm -hmm. for someone who has 325,000 followers, that's a measurable percentage mm -hmm. of new new ads. So um, those things like that do. That counts. That now. does count. I mean, yeah. It does count. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, it's, just, it's just then the conversion. It's, it's, so you follow her and then what? Right. And that's the part that I can't mm -hmm. necessarily track unless we were investing heavily in focus groups and, and that type of thing. But the next thing, I'm sorry, just no, no, to, right. as, as a follow up to mm -hmm. that, though, when you talk about, okay, maybe building the artist and building a career and, and thinking mm -hmm. here's phase one, phase two, mm -hmm. maybe phase two is, okay, we now built, helped build the Instagram followers to mm -hmm. this number. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are influencers getting paid X amount of money who have this many followers. Right. Now, can I take this? larger brand who is the artist and go to this company or back to the other company or something and say, let's do an influencer campaign mm -hmm. where you pay X amount of dollars. Exactly. Um, is that another thing you kind of will follow up mm -hmm. and kind of... Those numbers growing whoever, whichever means we can get them is important. And it's just the world we live in today. And, and, um, and I find that brands, particularly brands that don't know a lot about music, and that's a lot of, of CPG brands um, and it's no fault of their own it's just 
that's not their industry. And so they don't have a lot to go on anecdotally. They only know what's available to them. So that's mm. chart placement and, and social media numbers, press hits. Did they see them on TV? Does their daughter like them? Whatever. And um, those things, it's always one of those little things that ends up being the bird in their ear that says, okay, this is the artist that we should work with. So yeah, I, I, I am always thrilled when I find out that there's gonna be dollars put behind fan acquisition, whether it's uh, social media or also the, um, what's it called? The newsletter, the e-newsletter or whatever that mm -hmm. fans sign up for that gives you the info. That, that fan database is also important. Great, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So. Does um, Warner assign acts that already have established a brand? Because uh, I'm, I'm just thinking, I remember, I don't remember if it was on a panel here or if I heard it somewhere else, but someone was talking about how um, an older system that labels used to use, if they would sign an artist, mm -hmm. they wouldn't just put out a release like right away. They would actually take time to develop the artists, mm -hmm. if you will. And I guess that would give them time to uh, build a brand as well. Mm -hmm. um, but. With the with the new landscape now, uh, there are some people who make the argument that you know you don't get signed unless you're putting up the numbers yourself first, and then mm -hmm. the label comes in to augment them. Mm -hmm. So, I suppose my question is: Does Warner then sign? Does Warner tend to sign acts who already have established a brand, or do they sign people who are like who who have talent and then they are still developing them, kind of like an older system, mm -hmm. if you will? Does or does it go in tandem depending on the act? Yeah, it does vary. Um, artist development is first, is kind of our motto at Warner. So we're certainly willing to bring someone on who isn't established in that space. An artist of ours, Devin Dawson, for instance, he's going to be out with Tim and Faith this summer and Brett Eldridge in the fall. And his first single went to number two on the charts. And he's um, playing Seth Meyers in two weeks. And, you know, when I think when we got him, he was a kid out of Belmont and who had gotten a little hit of fame because he covered a Taylor Swift song that mm -hmm. Taylor uh, posted about. And so that got his name elevated a bit. But seeing as today, I believe he only has about 45,000 Instagram followers. And so that was over a course of two years from whatever he had mm -hmm. until then. But 45,000 isn't a huge number, but it's, I mean, it's certainly far more than I have. But mm -hmm. I, um, I think that, um, we were invested in his talent and knew that the brand and the fans would follow. Uh, but on the flip side, we just signed this wonderful new girl named Tegan Marie, who is um, 14 and just a little spitfire. And but she's been um, she's been put through a I don't know what to call it, but it's a company called Sweetie High, and they are almost like a boot camp for Disney talent. They the kids mm -hmm. come in and they're all the experts on Gen Z. In fact, they're doing a panel here today, <laughs> today or tomorrow, and Tegan's mm -hmm. here for it. So, uh, but she because of that has almost half a million on Instagram and has a fan base as she walks in the door. And mm. and so the, our challenge there is to absorb that fan base and <laughs> do a crash course in marketing to Gen Zers, which is something none of us really had an expertise in, and leaning heavily on her previous team to advise and um so yeah i'd say it goes both ways okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are you finding um in warner nashville in terms of the social platforms mm -hmm. is it artist driven or meaning which one is more popular mm -hmm. is it is, are you finding a lot of snapchat mm -hmm. or are you find, or that's not so much a warner a, a nashville thing or is mm -hmm. it really instagram's the thing or facebook still? just instagram i mean the facebook has its value because brands as of now have a bigger presence on Facebook. It's just, it's more one-to-one, -one. it's more older, like older people use it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of mm -hmm. good opportunities to interact. Like I'm upset about the quality of my, 
paper towel products or whatever. Like there's a lot of customer service being done on mm -hmm. Facebook. There, therefore, you get the critical mass. In fact, I was looking on there. Chevy has 20 million on Facebook. Wow. So I'm doing something with Chevy in a couple weeks, and I was kind of, I think we were touching on it, but the, the sort of trade-off, like, all right, well, Chevy's not going to pay you, nor are they going to boost this post, but they have 20 million on Facebook, so I'd say we take it. You know, I think it's like a nice look for you to have your music on there. Um, but anyway, uh, I find that, at least personally, I'm using Instagram more, and I've heard a few of our artists complain that now with Instagram stories being so important that it was getting tough for them to want to post on Snap and then also post on Instagram when, and so they just started using the same content. And as a fan, you don't want to see the same content mm -hmm. on two platforms. Mm -hmm. So I know several of them have all but abandoned Snapchat or at the very least are just taking exactly what they put on the Instagram stories and then posting it on Snap. So I'm interested to see what Snap does to keep their relevance. I've gone and deleted Snapchat. I'm, I personally, but I'm not the target audience, but mm -hmm. I, um, I, it's too much. But I've certainly loved seeing how Instagram stories have really become a platform for us with the swipe up uh, mm -hmm. capability now with ticketing or additional information. Also with the very clear ability to say who you're working with, like paid partnership with X mm -hmm. up at the top is uh, a really good safety net for all the, F the FCC um, regulation, FTC, mm -hmm. FTC, FTC. Uh, FTC. There's yeah. also an FCC, but not the right mm -hmm. um, FCC F does net neutrality. FTC That's why it's in my head because we were talking right. about net yeah. neutrality. <laughs> Yeah, so FTC, though, will, uh, you know, famously Gwyneth Paltrow got in trouble a long time ago for taking some paid trip to Spain or something that was sponsored by the tourism board of España and uh, didn't disclose any of that she had been compensated. Kardashians have had that issue. Yeah, because well, they have a big, they have a target on their back. They mm -hmm. have the most followed people in mm -hmm. the world. And, um, and I don't ever want our artists to ever have to go through that, even if they're not necessarily the ones being tightly monitored, but it makes it a lot easier. If the hashtag ad thing, even the least savvy consumer knows what that means now, mm -hmm. and yeah. it just, people don't like it. They're just, it's ugly to them. So it's a nice seamless way to acknowledge the payday mm -hmm. and not uh, let it take away from their whole quality control of, of their, their, their brand on their Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if, if, uh, if it's safe for me to assume that these sort of like, um, deals and like brandings and sponsorships, et cetera, happen um, starting with like conversations mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, do you have any advice for like the do-it-yourself artist as to how they can create more meaningful conversations with people if they're trying to approach brands to mm -hmm. try to like get a sponsorship with them? Like how would they go about um, d interacting with these brands? Mm -hmm. Like how would they approach themselves and like, you know, because I mean, they can't, like they can't really like be like you know casual. I mean, obviously they can't be casual and everything. But like, is there anything they can do mm -hmm. to like set them apart and be and so show, excuse me, show the brand that they're like serious about like working with them? Mm -hmm. It certainly is very difficult for a unknown band, an indie band, um, a band without a manager. I'd say um, I have a lot of friends just now living in Nashville for four years. I've made friends with tons of struggling musicians and up-and-coming musicians who are awesome and they always ask me a question like that and, and um, I want to help all of them um, but even it's hard to get a deal even for Blake Shelton you know it's just mm -hmm. tough and uh, because everyone wants one the budgets are so limited now and um, not everybody gets it yet you know and how it can work for them and even though the data to me is there you know didn't someone just say in that panel like 90% of, Amer of Americans say that they love music, which seems so, s like, do you love food? Do you love music? But, yeah. but it's yeah. still, that's, 
that's 10% people who say they don't love music, you know, which is a lot of people. Um, they just like haiku, spoken word haiku. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just pure silence. But right. no, truthfully, I mean, my mother, I don't know how I said to her the other day, I go, we have nothing in common. I'm like 16 again. But I looked at her and I said, like, how do you not listen to music? And my whole life we drove around in a silent car. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And, my, and not to derail, but my parents, we, we moved from California to um, Virginia when I was in like second grade or something, third grade, and we took two cars. This was long before the internet, long before cell phones, and uh, so we had my dad's car and my mom's car. My dad had all the tapes. You know, We had the Paul Simon, we had Dire Straits, Mamas and Papas, and my brother and I would fight over who got to ride with dad. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we'd have really. to trade off after four hours, and so we'd go sit with mom with the cats in the silence and have to talk, and then we'd sit in dad's <laughs> car and get to Ooh. rock out with the windows down, and yeah. I was like, oh, it was just it was like a sitcom. It was so funny. But um, <laughs> so anyway, something that is easy to do that I recommend that all artists do with who are looking for brand partnerships is, is to create a ritual. So something that uh, the artist does before a show or throughout their life as a musician mm -hmm. that involves a brand that feels authentic. Um, I have a band that takes a shot of Jack Daniels before every time they go on stage. It was like, please take a picture of that. Tag Jack Daniels on Instagram and yep, say right. pre-show ritual. Hashtag. Jack Daniels shots or whatever you want to do. And yeah. that way, when Jack Daniels has that, you know, lowly social media entry level person who's 22 and is excited and mm -hmm. thinks music is cool, is going to take a screen grab of that or file it and say, look, this cool band from Nashville mm -hmm. does this. And does Jack Daniels need us? Not now, but Jack Daniels will eventually do something with four up and coming bands. They just will. It's part of the type of brand that they are, and they like to recognize young, up-and-coming talent, and it's part mm -hmm. of the brand ethos. I have another artist who always eats McDonald's after a show, and you might be embarrassed. <laughs> Don't be. Post it, or post the wrappers, or you don't have to say what you ate, or just take a picture of the Golden Arches, whatever you want to do. And yeah. and I have a friend who does social media for McDonald's, and they said that they file those, and anytime they are looking for talent, they audit who's posted about them in the last six months and pluck someone out of that. And mm -hmm. and so that's something that costs no money. It's something you're doing anyway. And it starts and get and gets your feet wet in the whole branded partnership space. Because at the very least, most brands that are active on social are going to at least hit you back. Yeah. And in some cases, we had a band the other day that just tagged a shirt that they were wearing. And it's an, a, a small, uh, they're signed to the label, but they're uh, very new. And right. um, they were thrilled that they got like a free jean jacket sent to them, you know, and, and that's one less jean jacket to buy. If you have, if you're on, if you're paying for your wardrobe top to bottom, which most of our artists are, a free jean jacket is a lot. So I think that that's a really good way to get started and um, kind of find their comfort level on interacting with brands in an outward setting. You talked about the, but going on with what you said, you mentioned um, you knew the Jack Daniels ethos uh -huh. earlier. Mm -hmm. What are the things that you're reading or watching to understand and know what brands are looking for, what brands are out there, what brands could connect with yours someday down the line? You must be constantly. Yeah, I read everything. Is everything. it Ad Age? Is it Brand yes, Week? Yes, I read Ad it? Age, and I, I read all the trades. Um, my lovely intern, or Austin, will help me with um, going through Variety and Billboard, all the weeklies, and just like flag stuff for me mm -hmm. to read um, that are music-related. I read all the, the gossip rags when I get my nails done, and there's mm -hmm. usually uh, at least two sections in there where it's like X artist or X person and brand did mm -hmm. this. It's, you know, it's 
crap, but it's it's there, and it means that Svedka is paying someone to do something, or mm-hmm. that whatever freaking Miracle Whip did with Katie Holmes a long time ago. I remember mm-hmm. that. That's always been my example of the worst partnership ever because it's Katie Holmes with this cake. That was <laughs> it was Hellman's, not Miracle Whip, but Hellman's, and the cake was just a cake. But because it said Hellman's, I was like, is that a mayonnaise cake? Like it was white, yeah, and she was yeah. outside on Chelsea Pier, and I was just like. That's not, is that a mayonnaise? It's not, but it was bad. So anyway, I but I remember that, and I um so yeah, I read that, and then I also read Twitter a lot. I read just like what people are talking about. I follow a lot of brands. Um, you know who has an amazing Instagram that I learned, and I'm I'm working on a deal with them possibly is the TSA. Really? <laughs> Would you, yeah. They won all these Webby awards. It's hilarious. I also they they had a post up for um for on 420, and it was like. A million bags of weed that they had confiscated in the airport, really? and it says in the caption like, "Check out all this jazz cabbage we confiscated." And I was like, "I've never heard jazz cabbage. That's, That's hilarious." Um, but even just like TSA, you know, they they have an interest in getting in front. They're going to come and sponsor the country music festival here. Wow. So, um, so yeah, I kind of lost track of what I was saying. Okay. No, the jazz yeah. cabbage threw me off. I'm high on the jazz cabbage, I guess. <laughs> so um, when Warner as a label itself. Um, needs to brand itself as mm-hmm. a record label. Mm-hmm. Does it tend to rely more on its back catalog, or does it try to emphasize its current roster? Because Warner has a legendary, like legendary back catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite of which being Prince, uh, mm-hmm. Prince's records. But nowadays, I mean, they might be trying to go for a target audience who has no idea who Prince is. Mm-hmm. So, do would they still try to use their back catalog, or would they, or would it again depend on the situation? It, it definitely depends on the situation. I think in my role, I don't touch anyone unless they're active. They ah. just are they're working, they're putting out music. Um, of course, you know, Randy Travis is, um, he's not in great health and he comes around about once a year. We do a family photo and he's a legend and, and amazing. Um, Kenny did, Kenny Rogers is on our label and he did this fantastic farewell concert and we'll see if it sticks because he loves to work but um and then from the larger warner music group yes i mean we have the bgs and we have uh, bat midler and all the uh, great elvis i mean and there's um there's there's a separate uh part of warner called wea that i yeah. think you met alex cram my colleague right. i saw in your um past interviews but mm-hmm. wea is an artist services division and um, she does the licensing for Grateful Dead and um, uh, for Elvis and I think Frank Sinatra and and so that's and that tends to be more where the legacies hang out because they're gonna just kind of name their uh, lend their name and likeness to a project and kind of just get the check in the mail. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so going along with like branding and I guess marketing to an extent. Um, there was it was like I guess not to like draw well sort of to draw a comparison um, when Lady Gaga put out her first album mm-hmm. like there was a rather unique marketing campaign that went along with it which I guess served to help uh, influence her brand as well at the same mm-hmm. time it was unique I think in the sense that it wasn't it took a long time to like actually go from like phase one to like the final product mm-hmm. so like I'm curious like I, st- I however don't see too many um, whether independent or Signed to label, I don't see too many acts try to replicate that, you know, painstaking approach. Even though it, even though I mean, maybe Gaga is a like, like a um, a rarity, mm-hmm. but like it has been proven to work. So I'm just curious, like, 
is there a particular reason you think why more people don't try painstaking? Well, I say painstaking, but like longer approaches mm -hmm. and to try to like brand themselves and like market themselves mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Well, it's it's tough to say. Uh, ob obviously, Gaga is uh, one of a kind and and um, and has pretty much created her own lane, right. which is remarkable and has yet to be matched. Um, so many of my artists have been paving their own lane. Um, I just don't know if anyone knows yet. Um, so many of, of our artists have been singing since they were very little. Or, and you know, Raylin, who I mentioned earlier, she was on The Voice. She, she, uh, she didn't win, but she was in like the top five or something with Blake's team uh, a long time ago. And, and then she got a record deal and didn't work out. And, but she had a hit song from that record deal. And then now she's on Warner. And, um, and so it's, it sometimes probably feels like overnight for a lot of people who are just seeing it happen from a consumer standpoint. But for the rest of us, it, it really is a, a labor. Mm -hmm. and, and things, we try things and they don't work. And we have certain artists who, you know, Brett Eldridge had, I think, three songs go to radio before he had a number one. And um, we had another artist have like a smash hit. And then the next song doesn't really get any traction. And that happens often. And, and so, um, you know, everyone's journey is different. I know it's very cliche, but it, it really is. And, and I almost, the overnight success phenomenon is frightening to me. I think I would prefer to have that groundwork in place. And you, know, you mentioned the little yodeler kid earlier. And, right. and, uh, and, you know, he's making money. He's going to get his college paid for, and he's going to have sure. a nice little time. He got to meet Ellen or whatever, and, and that's mm -hmm. all great. It's actually on Atlantic, so he's, I keep joking at my artists, like, are you proud of your little label mate? <laughs> um, but I, I think that um, that has to be very overwhelming, especially for a child, but um, to go from nothing to overnight where yeah. you can't yeah. go to the airport, I think that um, and social media and, and, and everyone having a phone in their pocket with a camera has also changed the uh, electricity that is, goes behind the discovery of something. You know, people could be anonymous a lot longer than, than now and we can share and post so easily. Do managers know you exist, for example, and are they, are they actually, like if I was managing an artist signed mm -hmm. to Warner Nashville mm -hmm. um, and I'm doing the rounds of the office, I would mm -hmm. make sure that I'm stopping by your office. Mm -hmm. I'm calling in advance. I'm going to come by, and then I would brainstorm with you mm -hmm. until you kick me out of the office <laughs> because I'd be knowing you can add so much value to mm -hmm. that artist's uh, career. Mm -hmm. You know, be, between Let's get this in writing, and uh, I'll take yeah, this section right. of the interview, please. Thank you. Um, yes, but it's true. I yes. mean, you, you can generate revenue. Mm -hmm. You can generate. We mm -hmm. talked about the social, um, mm -hmm. just the overall. You're a huge part of the marketing plan. Mm -hmm. So now you may mm -hmm. speak. Yes. Um, yes, they know. I'm like, yes, they do know I exist, damn it. Um, no, they do. They do. Um, you know who actually camps out my office is the artists, honestly. Mm -hmm. Now that they're hip to what I do, yeah. they love to come by. I also always have alcohol and snacks because of my job. People send a lot of products, and so I, I in the hopes that an artist will come by and try it. So I have a full fridge. I, got a, I have a Red Bull fridge now, which is a big badge of honor in the music industry. Um, and someone jokingly called my office Marika's Italian grocery because I just had so many things available uh -huh. to them. So, And then we also, we have two whiteboards up that have all the projects listed out, which is a blessing and a curse. Uh, sometimes I say to Austin, I'm like, get the tissue because like I just don't want them to see what is or is not happening in their world, but we do need to keep track of it somewhere. Um, so yeah, why do you have Blake Shelton up there? Yeah, What's wrong with me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to have all their names up there just so, and, and because we are truthfully working on almost everybody at all times, big or small, but um, we have that up there. And so they'll study the board and 
and then ask questions about who's doing what. And you know, I have no secrets. Like I'll tell them about anything that they want to know, and and um, hope maybe it does get them excited, and and maybe they maybe it causes them to think. Why do not? Why do I not have as much going on as that person? And mm -hmm. and it's it, it can be a variety of reasons. And and uh, but no management management also has their own um, people that also sell partnerships. And then there's also um, partners at um, partnerships people at the at the um, agents like the CAA and William Morris both have mm -hmm. people who do what I do as well. So um, so do you guys ever butt heads? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not in a personal sense, but, but yes, in a in a and not even a territorial sense, but more just how am I supposed to know exactly what you did today <laughs> mm -hmm. to say, oh, I didn't know you also called on Firestone and Bridgestone today. And so I try, I have a good relationship with all of them in town so I can give them a heads up. Look, I'm really close to closing this cosmetics deal like with Raylan, when that was coming together, I'm like, please do not pitch any other makeup brands right now because it'll just, you won't be able to do it and it's gonna put us in a pickle. So um, I try to give them just a courtesy heads up and, um, and you know, it, they, everyone has their own priorities, and so I don't know everything, and they don't know everything, but we try our best to stay in sync as best as possible. But it's, in fact, every time we meet for drinks or something, it's like, how can we make this more streamlined? And they're really, the only way it could be streamlined is if there was simply just one person pitching, but why would an artist ever want that to be the case? Because the more people mm -hmm. pitching, just ups your odds. Mm -hmm. Right. But it adds a complication to you because your job is to do this yeah. their job is to do the same thing yeah and there's like five of us and yeah. like one person at southwest airlines making that decision mm -hmm. um but you know it's it's not really the end of the world if it does happen you just apologize and, it, and, and sometimes it confuses the people on the other side like are you do you work with megan over at caa i'm like sort of but if megan's got this it's all good megan mm -hmm. gets it and i move on to the next so right. it's, um, mm -hmm. it is funny. Uh, luckily, you mentioned small town earlier. It is a small town. I, I pretty much know, I think I know every partnership person in town, at least working for a major label, um, as well as the guy at 30 Tigers. And um, and if I don't, I make, even my, even my competitor, like direct competitors, like the partnership people at Sony, I know, Universal, Big Machine. And then there's also some third-party brokers in town. There's a company called G7. Um, there's a company called Flightview. Um, it's actually founded by a former Warner person um, who s just sells partnerships. And um, they they have their accounts, so that's a little easier. Like Flightview famously has Cracker Barrel. Mm -hmm. So anything Cracker Barrel, I just go to Flightview. G7 has the Dodge Ram partnership. And Dodge Ram does a ton of stuff in country. So if I'm going to go sure. to Dodge Ram, I just go to G7 because it'll eventually end up back in their world anyway, so save one step. Mm -hmm. When I was at the Universal Music Group, I was working with a division called Universal Music Enterprises, which mm. was sort of what you did. It wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily brand partnerships, but we would put together compilation CDs with uh, other brands like mm -hmm. with Starbucks or with Wrangler Jeans, things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, we would put together, I once put together a promotion with uh, Shania Twain and a... She's back, baby. Yeah, I know. She's oh, yeah. a wonderful looking back. Mm -hmm. And um, and Procter & Gamble or something uh -huh. um, in which uh, it was a, a scent. You plug in the scent into the oh, wall yeah. uh -huh. and it would reflect the, mm -hmm. the smell that Shania wanted you to have. Uh -huh. And it became a sync deal and a bunch of other yeah, things. Yeah, I dig it. So we would do that for the company, for the uh -huh. Universal Music Group. In addition, the labels ended up hiring their own people. And so we would go, we would pitch say, the Shania thing to Procter & Gamble, and mm -hmm. we would say we need half a million dollars or mm -hmm. something. The label person would pitch it and say, you can have it for free. Mm -hmm. And that's where we would, now this is 10 years ago, but we would yeah. be butting heads like, why are you, we keep 
our president would go to theirs. Why are you doing this? We're getting money for you. Uh-huh. Yet your people are just giving it away because you're falling for the old exposure line. Uh-huh. So that's, I guess, we can go to the next thing is, uh-huh. are you getting a lot of people, we're, we're not going to give you money, but we're giving you exposure. Uh-huh. How many times is oh, that hello. real? And how many <laughs> times is that, I, I know what you're trying to say to me, but I, I need to get a few bucks for this. <laughs> um, more often than not, um, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. I, I do think that the I mentioned Chevy, 20 million on Facebook, can't compete with that. Right. It's when the exposure line, I'm using air quotes, um, dear listeners, um, <laughs> but the um, idea that I have 4,000 followers on Instagram and I only have $5,000 to do this, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Maybe I would say put that money towards getting more Instagram followers and then come back to us because I would be more likely to do it for free if you had a bigger audience than you paying me a small amount of money to reach a small amount of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's often that's a very empowering moment to turn a brand down. Like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want your measly five thousand dollars. <laughs> um, I'll take it, but no, my artist <laughs> won't do it. Um, right. And so I, I do. I do find that the big brands know their value coming in, and so it's always a game of who's the bigger rooster, basically. You know, you have, uh, to use Blake Shelton as the example, Blake Shelton has like 30 million Twitter followers or something crazy, and so unless you have that or more, we hold the cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, if that same, if, if Chevy comes to us, though, and says we're not gonna pay you because we have this, then Chevy holds the cards. So, um, but I don't. I don't think exposure is a joke. I, I. I just did a deal with Barkbox, and um, they didn't pay any of our artists, but they have 16 million combined, uh, including a newsletter that goes out that has a very high click rate. And they showed us some. Um, their engagement on their videos is higher than Hulu. <laughs> Those are people who are sitting down to watch a sitcom. <laughs> They're yeah. like, no, no, this dog video is better. So they, um, which I don't think is wrong necessarily, but they. Um, <laughs> So they didn't pay, and um, I had people sending me the served-up ad that they got featuring my artist, like, look at this, that's so awesome. And I had one of my artists say that they heard about it from some fans, like, and the comments are all amazing, like, I love, I know Raylin loves her dogs, like, that's so sweet, and, and gives their fans something to go talk about, you know, that's something different than just the music, and, and so um, I think it's pretty easy to sniff out the mm-hmm. it, uh, inauthenticity and... Um, most brands know, like they'll come in kind of like head down, like, oh, we don't really have a lot to offer, but, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and but sometimes, you know, we have a small brand and a small artist and, and that's good too, because I don't want a brand that's going to cannibalize a baby act and the, and no one knows who that is. It's, I, I try to look at the triangle. Like if I, my dream, my ideal situation is charity brand artist, because you're do, parting with a purpose, doing something good, giving back through this. The brand brings the dollars, and then the musicians brings the sizzle. So mm-hmm. that's the ideal trifecta for me. So uh, another question I had. Uh, do we have time? The last question. Last sure. question. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and you can correct me if this has never happened. I was never an accountant. Oh wait, we covered that. Sorry. Yes, we did. Okay. <laughs> so, um, has there ever been an instance where you've set up the brand partnership, say for like six months or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe midway through the artist decides, you know what, I'm not too crazy about this product. I don't want to keep uh, promoting it anymore. Um, how would you go about convincing the artist or like? persuading them to keep uh, living the brand, which is mm-hmm. a quote I stole from the internet. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, if they're contractually obligated, they will have to go to court. So okay. that's hopefully avoidable. Um, if there's a if there's an, an issue with how the brand is 
you know, something we've run into, for instance, is I can't believe you're supporting that brand. They test on animals or that is so full of sugar. How could you ever promote that? Mm. Something the trolls of the internet get the best of them. The, the artists spend some time on a tour bus going way too deep in the comments and they start yeah. to freak out. Right. And um, so I try to get in front of those anticipated issues early on and just tell them not to worry about it. And this isn't a reflection of you. And people have ADD. They have attention span of flies. Um, by the time you post another picture of you with your husband, they're going to forget all about it. Um, if there's a true crisis situation that arises, of course, the contract protects us from that. Um, but for the most part, I would just ask why and, and what, do they, what do they think that is not coming out of that? And the best deals are the ones that can evolve and grow and live and breathe and not be um, stuck to the terms of the contract. And I'll use the two-faced example again. Um, Raylan asked if she could um, have a certain number of sets to give to her family, and I, and I that wasn't in the deal points in any way about owing us product. And this is expensive cosmetics. I mean, mascara is $22. So a whole set is a, a big amount of money. And, and um, they saw, you know, Raylin delivered on her side of the deal above and beyond. She's been a dream to work with. So of course we'll gift her gifts to give her her family. We'd love to have her family have our gifts and these items because they're going to tell their friends and they're going to brag about it and they're going to post about it and they're going to forever sing the days about the praises of Two-Face and the day that Raylan was their, their little poster child. So I think um, I think that and that's that falls heavily on me in the upfront to forge those relationships and make sure that it's not transactional. And the, the last thing I'll say on it is um, when on that in, that infamous day where I was interviewed and I told Espo I didn't know what A&R was. The other thing was, how do I close a deal? And I always said, I said, be normal. Just be normal. Like, I think mm -hmm. people watch so much TV or mm. read a magazine, like, I know how Shark to thing. close. Yeah, this is how I'm going to do it or whatever. Yeah, and, and watched a YouTube video on how to sell. And mm -hmm. I just, I'm lucky. I have it as a gift. I'm very personable and I like to talk to people. And I think that that's what gets the deal done is knowing that I could throw this paper out the window and we could still make magic together because I trust you and you trust me. So okay. that's what right. I'm for. Wow. Well, we trust that our listeners good. are getting something out of this. Good. Yes, so. thank you very much. So we should thank Marika. I saw you. I, the Mar mouth Marika. Yeah. I, was going, I was going to say Mariki. Marike. Not Mar to make my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Marika Bianchi. 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 Marika Bianchi. Bianchi. Yeah. You have your own line of Parmesan cheese coming out. That no, we should I have uh, the, the Bianchi bicycles of Italy. You may have wow. seen those. Um, I'm not related, but wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Uh, Marika is Dutch for Mary, and Bianchi is Italian for white. So, uh, Mary White. Mary White. Yeah. Yeah. Mary White. Yeah. Mary White Show. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. There we go. Matthew Kerr, MBA student, going to win it. Yeah. Thank you. What's your last name, Austin, again? Austin Hawkins. Yeah. Sitting there, not saying a word like he should, the new boy. <laughs> Say nothing. You won't get in trouble the less you say. No, I'd love for him to talk. <laughs> why didn't you say anything? You blew it. So, yeah, right. Either way, he's out. Yeah. He's, he's gone. Austin's out. Third day out of school. Marconi, professor, doctor. No relation. No. Did no, not invent no. radio. That wasn't you. No, no unfortunately okay. not. It was great to have well, you here. And, of course, my co-host, who needs no introduction. So with that in mind, yes. you know what we say at the end of every show? No, I do not. We don't say hello, would we? No. no. Why would we not? I don't know. Why should we? Because it's the end. <laughs> yeah. right. So, so you're gonna. I know you, uh -huh. and Austin. You can join in. This will help you stay longer. Um, at the end of every show, we don't say hello. Uh -huh. At the end of every show, in another language, we say goodbye. Uh -huh. What language do you think we will use, and what word do you think we will say? 
Well, I was going to offer the only one I know, which is in Spanish. <gasps> one, two, three. Adios. Say, Dave, what do Paul Sinclair from Atlantic, Tom Hefter from Ticketmaster, Rosie Lopez from Tommy Boy, and Heather Ellis from Pandora all have in common? They're all bigwigs in the music and entertainment industry, Esteban. And? They all hate warm beer. And? They've all been guests on the Music Biz 101 and More radio show at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Bingo. If you want to learn more about the music and entertainment biz, tweet in a question and tune in every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock to Music, music Biz 101 and More on Brave New Radio. radio. 